Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Normally we like to greet and hug and all that, but due to the social distancing and all that's going on in our world today, we're just going to get right into the word. If you could lower this just a little bit, Jared, please. Man, I, I love when God shows up. How do, how, what do, what do, how do you feel? You feel good. You feel, that, you feel the presence of the Lord in this place. He's with us today. And, and um, so I'm going to get right into the word. The title of my message today is, is called Conviction Over Culture. Conviction Over Culture. And um, we talk, I believe we talked about it just a little bit last week, that, that there, is this, there is this fight between our beliefs and the culture that we live in. There's this fight between our convictions and the culture that we're a part of. Thank you, Isaiah. Appreciate that. And so the title is Conviction Over Culture. What is conviction? Conviction is a firmly held belief. Something that we hold to firmly. And in the book of uh, Daniel chapter, well, really the whole book of Daniel, but we're going to be focusing on chapter 3. We're introduced to these characters, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what's going on here before we get into the scripture is... The children of Israel are captured by the Babylonian king, and now they're considered exiles in, in Babylon, and the, the king is really trying to get them to, um, all, the, all the exiles, he's trying to get them to convert over to the culture of Babylon. And so we see in chapter 1 that he really, he tries to teach them the things of Babylon, he tries to get them to eat the food of Babylon, but the children, these, these four individuals stand up to him and say, no, we're not going to do that, we're going to continue to go with our convictions and we're not going to go to what you're, t- we're not going to do what you're asking us to do. And so God, God really works out that situation in chapter 1 and 2. And then we get to chapter 3. And what King Nebuchadnezzar does in chapter 3 is, is he builds this statue. It's about 90 feet high, which is crazy. He builds this statue and he tells everybody, he says, as soon as you hear the music and all the instruments, what everybody needs to do is bow down to this idol. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the only exiles from Israel. They were not the only ones that were considered children of Israel. But everybody, when the music played, everybody bowed down except them. They stood up and they refused to bow down because of their convictions. They they believed in God, believed that only God was worthy of worship, only God was somebody that you should bow down to, and so they remained standing because of their convictions. And and the thing about these three individuals, even Daniel, but Daniel's not in this specific story, is these three individuals were actually uh, members of the king's house. They were were people that were, they had power, they they had some kind of influence, and so other people saw that they were standing, and they went to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, hey... Those three guys, they refuse to bow down. They refuse to do what you're asking all of us to do. Now, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was a very violent king. The the reward for standing was to be thrown into a furnace. A furnace which they would make bricks out out of that furnace. And so this furnace was extremely hot. I think it was like 2,300 degrees. Crazy. Crazy. And this was the consequence for them standing. 
So we find ourselves in chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psalm, psalm street, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, then good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that I would not preach out of my thoughts or my opinions, God, but let every word I say, God, be led by your spirit and founded on your word. I pray that you would help us today, Lord, to stand up to the culture around us, God, and to live out the faith that we say we believe in Jesus' name. Amen. So these, these, these individuals stood for their, their convictions. What's crazy is the king basically says, hey, listen, you didn't do it the first time. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm going to let you try again. Now, I can imagine the, the ones that knew these three individuals probably were saying things like, listen, man, it's not that bad, right? Like, you know, you're not really worshiping. You're just bowing down. Like, you're just trying to live because if you, if you die, then what good are you if you're dead? You know, you need, to, you need to live, so why don't you just give in to what's going on around us? But because of their convictions, because of what they believed, they refused to bow down. So they, basically what they were doing was saying, I'm not going to go along with the culture. I'm going to stick to my convictions. See, what, what happens with us sometimes is it's so easy to go back and forth between convictions and culture and belief and culture and faith and culture because we don't really have a conviction of what we believe. I, I, I'm amazed, amazed by Christians that are so easily adapting to culture. How are we supposed to bring people into heavenly culture when all we do is live in the culture of the world? What these individuals did is they stood in their conviction saying, I'm not going to bow down. And because of that, they were not able to be swayed back and forth from culture to faith, from culture to faith. Is this making sense this morning? Listen, I need you to talk back to me today, okay? Please help me out. Can you do that? Can you help me out today? All right, I, I guess we're tired today. It's been a long weekend, huh? But how do we, where do we base our convictions? How do we find these convictions? The convictions that we should have as Christians should be based on the Word of God. Should be based on the Word of God. Now, the reason some of us don't have convictions is because we don't know the Word. And so when something comes up in the world and the world says, yeah, that's good, that's right, and people kind of say, listen, it's not that bad. They're not hurting anybody. It's okay. It's easy for Christians who don't know the word to say, you know what? It's not that bad. I can believe this. I can support this, even though 
It's contrary to God's word. To have convictions, we have to understand what the word of God says. Our convictions cannot be based on culture. It cannot be based on emotion. It cannot be based on opinion. Our convictions as believers has to be based off of the word of God. What we believe, what we stand on, this is where we base our conviction. Jesus says, but uh, in, in Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, on, came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and it was, and it was a great fall. This is what happens to our life when we base everything off our emotion and opinion and not his word. You ever wonder why your marriage is struggling? Why your relationships are failing? Why things around you seem like they're falling apart? I'd ask you, what are those things built on? Are they built on conviction or culture? Well, it's cool if we live together. There's nothing wrong with that. It's cool if we sleep together. There's nothing wrong with that. No, 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 no. That's culture, not the word. Oh, it's cool if I dabble in that a little bit and, and step into that a little bit. There's nothing. There's, it's not the biggest thing. It's not hurting anybody. That's what everybody says, right? It's not hurting anybody, but, yet, but, but it's hurting God. And so we live in emotion and opinion and culture, and we don't stand for conviction. So we, we have this battle within us, our faith or the culture. Our faith or being accepted. Our faith or being liked. We have this decision. Am I going to bow down to these idols in the world? Or am I going to stand according to my convictions, no matter what anybody says to me, no matter what anybody does to me, am I going to live counterculture or not? That's the choice we got to make. Now, I'm not talking about the way you dress, all right? I'm not talking about the food you like. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the spiritual life that you live. Is it according to the culture or your conviction? See, the Babylonian king, really what he was trying to do is he wanted to indoctrinate the exiles. He wanted them to have Babylonian education. He wanted them to have Babylonian meals and Babylonian beliefs. What his ultimate goal was to teach as he taught the Babylonian culture, what he was trying to do is to get the exiles to forget where they came from. He was trying to get them in a place where they forgot their roots. So what does he do? He changes the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All three of their names, if you look them up, they all three were names that gave glory to God. One was God is gracious. One was God my provider. There was, there was these names that were linked to God. So what does the king do? He changes their name, their identity, to try to get them to blend in. To try to get them to begin to act like the culture of Babylon. So what's happening is he's, he's, he's trying to get them. Now listen to what I'm saying, all right? To 
forget what they're supposed to live like and to live like the culture. The enemy often does this to us. He'll tell you things, well, you don't belong in church. You don't belong in a relationship with the Lord. Nobody likes you. You're too bad. You've made too many mistakes. God will never accept you. Why? Because he wants you to forget where you came from. He wants you to forget the identity that you once had as a child of God. So he'll tell you things that you, to, to, to tell you that you don't belong to the culture of heaven. So you should just adapt to the culture of the world. If I can't belong in the church, then maybe, I'll, maybe I could belong in, in, in the world. If I can't belong to a Christian relationship, maybe I can find one in the world that I can belong to. It's the culture. Can I tell you this? Don't lose yourself to the culture. Don't lose who you are to the culture. Don't lose who God has called you to be to the culture. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But, the, but he who does the will of God abides forever. If we forget who we are and who we're meant to be, all we will want to do is blend in. I just, I, want, I, want, I just need friends. I need somebody to, to like me, care about me. So we blend in. But God hasn't called us as the church to blend into the world. As a believer, we're not called to blend in to what's happening today. So much pressure, so much pressure today to just bow down to the culture. And they say bow down in the name of empathy. Well, if you're, not, if you're not bowing to these ideas and beliefs, then you don't really care about people. We don't lose yourself to the culture. Don't forget who you are. Don't abandon the faith that you have or you once had. God has called you to stand out in the world, to be somebody that can bring change. We're not called to fit in. We're, we're called to stand against culture. Got a leak here somewhere. Well, we gotta look into that. See, this is why we need offering. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Come on. Standing against culture. See, per, there is persecution. There, there, we Christians will be persecuted. It's just gonna happen. It's happening already. It's happening already. It's not happening in, in the great, you know, the way that it's happening all over the world. It's, it's. There's some places that it's just, it's crazy. We are so blessed to live where we live. But, but the persecution that we're, we can experience and we will experience as Christians is persecution from our family, from our friends, from those that we thought were with us, those that we thought loved us. But we will never face persecution until we choose to stand against something. We will never face persecution until we choose to stand against something. You know, some of us, but some of us like it that way, right? Like, you know, I don't really, 
I don't really have to say anything. I'm just going to stay out of this. I'm just going to ride this wave out. Nobody's going to see me. God, I still love you. I'm with you. I'm just not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just going gonna, gonna, to, I'm not going to post. I'm not going to write back, right? You ever write those comments out and you're like, you know what? I got to delete all that I just said because that was not God. That was me. But you ever, you know, just, I'm just going to stay out of this. Because if we refuse to stand up against culture, we'll never face persecution. We live that easy Christian Disneyland life, right? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Nobody's standing. No, I'm good by myself. No, no. We are called to stand up to the culture. We're called to stand up to the idols that are in the culture. We're not called to just sit back and do nothing. Listen, we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. You know what the most counterculture thing is today is the gospel. Die to yourself. Who wants to hear that today? Die to yourself. That's counterculture. I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm amazed that people think Jesus would be accepted today. Jesus would not be accepted. He'd be the most, he'd be the biggest outcast of us all. The gospel is counterculture. The gospel says it's not about you. It's not about just your life. It's not about you being happy or you having pleasure or you being satisfied. It's about living a life for the Lord. And in that life that we live for the Lord, we find satisfaction that the world could never give us. We find fulfillment that things could never give, give us from the world. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's counter culture. It's counter culture. So we fight against culture. It's a fight. Now you, I'm not saying you have to go out and, and be out in the street and, and, and fight everybody that disagrees with you. What I'm saying is you have to stand for something. You, you've got to stand for something. We're so easily swayed. Well, I don't want to offend that person. I really like them. And if they find out this is what I believe, then maybe we're not going to get along like we used to. You've got to stand for something. Well, well, see, my family struggles with that kind of sin, and I know it's against the Bible, but this is who they are. It's how they were born. I know it's again. I just don't want to say anything because I don't want to offend them. You've got to stand for something. You've got to make a stand for the Word of God because if you don't, who will? But this is the thing about culture. When you fight culture, Culture fights back. It's not easy. You think it feels good when people don't like you? <laughs> Maybe. No. When you're an outcast because of what you believe, when family's upset with you because you made a stand for something, you think that's easy? Culture fights back. But know who you're fighting with. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. You don't fight by yourself. The culture may fight back, but you don't fight alone. 
The culture wants to grip us in fear and cause us to go, just, just come on, just bow down. It's not that bad. It's not a big deal. You don't want to just, just bow down to what we're saying. Bow down to what we believe. Bow down to what we're preaching because we want to, we'll love you. We'll, no, no, no. The, the, the culture puts fear in us. If you don't bow down, then you're hateful. Start calling you things that you know you're not. It's this fear of being spoken against, being talked about, this fear of the culture. But listen, don't fear the culture because God is covering us. God is covering your life. God is, he's walking with you. You're not by yourself. Babe, could you come up, please? I'm almost done. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Culture fights back. But we don't fight alone. Maybe, maybe this is not, you know, a super happy, you know, everything's good <laughs> sermon. But we're getting there, okay? We're almost done. I'm going to read this in Psalm chapter, uh, chapter 9, 91, verse 1 through 7. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the, under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by, nay, by, day, by night nor of the, of, of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. We, we, are, we are called to stand against the, ideolo- the ideas of the world. I'm not going to even try to say that again. The ideas of the world and the belief system of the world. There's so much going on today in this world that I'm just like, it's overwhelming. Like, what is happening? Now, now, more than ever, it's our time to begin to tear down the idols of culture. Right now. To tear down the idols that culture has set up. But how can we tear down the, the idols of the culture if we still have idols in our hearts. God, how can, how can we do, do, do this for the culture if my heart is still bowing down to my pride, to my selfishness, to my anger, to my bitterness, to my addictions, to my sin? How can I tear down the, the, the idols, idols in culture if I still have idols in my heart? I wrote this down as I was putting my notes together. I wrote, we should tear down idols and build up altars. And when I wrote that down, I almost deleted it. I was like, nah, nah, it doesn't make sense. You know, backspace, backspace, right? And the Lord said, keep it in there. Keep it in there. When, when, if you read through the book of, uh, I believe it's the book of Kings, um, it could be another book. I, I'm, well, I'll look it up afterwards if you really want to know. But what happened, what happened often is when, when, the, when they would introduce a king, it would say, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Or it would say, and he did, he did good in the sight of the Lord. 
And what would happen to those that did good in the sight of the Lord, what they would do, it says, and they tore down the altars. They tore down the altars of the idols and they built up altars for the Lord. You look at Gideon, we've talked about him before. Gideon was a man who the Lord called to really come against the culture. Everybody was afraid. God called him out. What happens? Immediately, the Lord says, you need to tear down the altar of Baal and build me an altar of worship. What exactly are we called to burn on the altars of our hearts? Our idols. Our idols. God, I struggle with this. Put it on the altar and let it burn. God, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm upset. Put it on the altar of God and let him burn it so that you can walk with your head held high knowing that you live a life of worship and not bowing down to idols. Tear down the idols of the culture. Tear down the idols of my heart and Lord, burn that which stands against you. I believe, listen, I believe that God is calling the church. It, th get, listen, listen, look at me. Listen to me. Right now, the season we're alive right now is a now or never moment. It's a now or never moment. I'm either going to be all in on the things of God or all in with the culture. There is no middle ground. There is nowhere that you can stand, that you can be accepted by the world and accepted by God at the same time. It does not exist. You say, well, why are you preaching such a hard sermon? Can't you say something a little bit nicer, like God just loves me no matter what I am and I'm more than enough? Yeah, yeah, those sermons are popular, but that's not what the Word of God says. Yes, God loves you, and yes, He wants to save you, but you have to make a choice. I'm either going to be all in with the Lord, everything, my whole life, my, the way that I think, the way that I spend my money, the places that I go, the people that I hang out with, the relationships that I invest in, the job that I work at, the thing, the, my plans for the future. That's either God's or it's not. This is the idol of the church today. Can I tell you what the idol of the church today is? It is self. I just want to go to church so that I can be happy, so that I can be encouraged. I want to go to a good church where they make me feel all, all good inside. Yeah, yeah, that, there's nothing wrong with that. You may come back next week and the sermon may be a little bit better. But listen, that is the idol of the Christian. is self. It's my time. It's my money. It's my relationships. It's my decisions. Self. And God is calling us to tear down these idols of self. What does he say? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And these things that come against us, I put it as this, tested by fire. And I'm almost done, I promise. We're going to be out of here soon. And it's, it's, it's raining outside now, huh? Let it rain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tested by fire. 
1 Peter 1, 6-9. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know what's funny? You know who he's talking to here? This is a church of exiles that fleed their, that, that were, they're fleeing their city for the fear of persecution. And these people that he's writing to were often mistreated because they refused to stand with their culture. That's who he's writing to in this verse. And he's saying, listen, I know that it's rough right now. I know that you're being tested by fire right now. I know that you're going through it right now. But listen, this fire is good because it tests your faith. It tests to see if it's genuine, if it's real. And if it is real, then listen, you have a joy that's inexpressible. Why? Because I understand that when I die, I don't just die, but I die into the glory of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to see him face to face one day. That this life today doesn't matter. This life today is, is, is here today and gone tomorrow. But I have inexpressible joy because I know that the trials that may come against me will not last forever. So is it worth it? Yes. Is it worth it to go through the fire? Yes, it is. Is it worth it to stand against culture? Yes, it is. Why? Because the world may pass away, but his word is eternal. And if I live by his word, then I'll be with him for eternity in the presence of God. You may not know the outcome of your trial, but you can still have the same outlook that they have. What did they say? I know that, I know that you're gonna throw me in the fire, King, and you've gotta do what you gotta do. But I also know that my God can deliver me. But if he doesn't, I still won't bow to you say that to the culture of the world listen I know that God protects me and I know that you can't touch me but if for some reason he allows you to guess what I still won't bow if for some reason there's a part of his plan that's saying that I gotta go through this guess what I still won't bow because because I may die today but I'll raise up to eternity with him breather here man so that was my introduction to the sermon no I'm just kidding we get to point one two and three as I was reading this and, I'm, and I'm, I promise you I'm done with this it's only been six minutes since I said that last so we're good as I was reading the scripture the king throws them into the fire Three of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound up, thrown in the fire. 2,300 degrees, turned up to the fullest it can go, as hot as possible. 
the, the guards that threw, threw them in the, in the flames, they died instantly because the fire was so hot. Threw them in. And the king's probably like, yeah, they're going to get it now. And as he's watching, he says, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't I throw, weren't there three of them in the fire? Because now I see four. But this, but this fourth one doesn't look like them. This fourth one looks like the son of God. So what does he do? He pulls them out and they're, guess what's burned? The binds on their hands and their feet. But guess what's fine? They're 100% unburned because they stood in the presence of God. Hold on, wait, 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 listen. What is the reward for standing in the fire? My reward is not that I would get out of the fire, but that I would stand with him in it. My reward is not that I'll get through everything in my life and I'm going to be 100% okay. My reward is that when I go through it, I go through it with him. That when I'm standing in the fire, I'm not standing by myself. So what is my greatest reward? It's to be with Jesus. That's all that I care about. God, I just want to be with you. And if I have to go through this to be with you, then I'm okay with it. I just want to be where you are. But God, even if I don't make it out, even if I burn, I pray you get the glory for my life. I know that you can but if you don't I still won't bow I still won't bow to the culture of the world let's close our eyes in this place and we're going to end it here we hope that you enjoyed this message for more information on our church you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website ReclaimChurchTX.com thank you for listening